Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside my good friend and Bucks Radio Network host, Justin Garcia. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Justin, welcome to the off-season version <laughs> of Locked On Bucks. I, I really wish we weren't here. Last time we said we were hopeful that we would have another game to go, but we don't and I think if the last 24 hours and the articles coming out and the interviews coming out are any indication it's gonna be a wild one for the Bucks but how are you doing how are you feeling about it all 24 hours post uh 24 hours later I am still adjusting to it with uh, not only the schedule but just the realization that it seems like as quickly as we got basketball back it is now gone that it, it's hard to believe it was a month, basically, that, that the Bucks spent in the bubble just over a month because it feels like a couple of months. It feels like portions of a season that we just spent uh, recapping and watching what we saw in Orlando. So, uh, yeah, welcome to the offseason. Yeah, basically uh, playing every other day for... I mean, it was nearly two months when you consider the scrimmage games, you throw them in there. Um, obviously, they got in there and had a few practices as well. So nearly two months since they were there, but it, it certainly, it, it felt like a lot longer. And I don't know whether that's 2020, that the days are stretching out. I don't know whether that was the the grind because it was a bit of a grind, you know, playing every second day. And I think that, you know, just on a, on a very, if you want to simplify everything, I, I think for a team that was clearly struggling, I don't think that the every day, every other day schedule helped them in regards to there was really no practice almost at all that went on down in the bubble. And clearly it did look like the Bucks had some things to work on and they didn't really get much of an opportunity to do so. Certainly not in between series heading into the one against Miami. And I'm kind of curious about that. I wanted to throw that at you because clearly things went wrong right from the start in this series. And the Bucks were competitive, but it felt that they were competitive based on and we've questioned the talent they have on the roster. Not the talent, but maybe the fit that altogether in terms of how you have success in the postseason. But in this environment, not having time to practice and not having any time to prepare, do you think that that benefited Miami a little bit in this series? Because they did have virtually a week, if you include the, the stoppage that, that we had there when, when the Bucks didn't take the court against Orlando. They did have about a week knowing that they were waiting for Milwaukee. Do you, what do you think that played into this series? You know, I, I don't know. Like, I, like when, the, when the Magic series was wrapping up, I think a couple of us were pointing to, well, maybe this is going to be an advantage for the Bucks mm-hmm. because the Heat have had that layoff. And just as we talked about last year um, with the Bucks going into that series against the Celtics, um, we saw how much that layoff hurt them. Now, granted, both teams have that layoff in the case of the Bucks, but we just saw this team didn't respond. So your hope was, okay, now they're back in the swing of things and they kind of got that hopefully bad performance out of their system with the Magic. So maybe this will benefit them 
and it's Miami that has to kind of catch up to the Bucks level. And, you know, one of the things you brought up with playing every other day and, you know, you and I talked about this before too, but just the lack of practice availability and schedules that, you know, it's not like you're back home in Milwaukee and you have freighter that you can go to and set up a practice and walk through some things. You're working with, uh, you know, what, eight to 13 other teams, depending on where the playoffs were at that point to, to work out scheduling for the court. So that was certainly a factor and it just seemed like, the Bucks just needed an extra day if for no other reason than to catch their breath, that it seemed like, okay, we got out of this with Orlando and, you know, we dropped game one, didn't play that well. We had everything that went on with the protest. Then we had this layoff and then, all right, now we're back on the floor on Saturday and here we go. We start two days later against the heat that it just seemed like they never had that ability to just kind of reset things and catch their breath. And, you know, it's certainly not the reason or the only reason why they're being sent home earlier than any of us expected, but I don't think it helped. Yeah. Everyone's in the same boat, just to be clear. That wasn't to me making an excuse for them. I just wonder with this team, because I was certainly one of those people that said, maybe they're better off just rolling through. So I don't know. I mean, it's something you sit back and think about, I do think that, again, I, the players did a good job of this and, and other people can talk about it. Other people can talk about uh, the, the home court advantage. I think Aaron Rodgers said today that he doesn't think the series would have gone that way if the Bucks were playing a fire serve. I think it's totally fine to speculate, and this is what I said, that you're always going to have what-ifs about this season and wonder, you know, would it have been different? What happens if you didn't have four months off? I think the Bucks answered all those questions with a straight bat. They did the right thing. Everyone's in the same position, okay? So don't come out, don't come off that you are, you are giving any excuses. But I can say it, and I said from the start, there was no team that was disadvantaged more than the Bucks. You finished number one seed, uh, you won that home court. So no doubt that sucked. I don't think this team responded too well to not having fans uh, in the arenas. The other thing I will say is, and you touched on uh, the, the protests that happened, I, I think that, you know, there's no doubt that this team carried a lot on their minds, a lot on their shoulders, particularly after that day. And I, I think that, you know, for a few of the players, if not all of the players, they will be looking forward to getting back to their communities and being able to do more. And And I, I think it's worth noting. I mean, we say that what they did was historic and it was, and it's never going to be forgotten. And I think that they've continued to push for things that, that just simply weren't happening before that, whether it is talking to government officials and trying to, uh, you know, make change in Milwaukee, but across the US. So I think that they would never admit that that was something that, that rested on their shoulders. But I think that, you know, a lot of the group will be happy that they can get out of the bubble. Not They wanted to win the title, but they'll be able to, to do more of that in, in their own communities. And I think it is worth mentioning. And Bud sort of pointed to it after the game. You always want to be on the right side of history. The Bucks certainly will be. And uh, I said it at the time, but I couldn't have much more respect for them than I do for what they did and for everything they continue to do uh, off the court, uh, for sure. All right, Justin, I said that we are on time constraints today, which I, I normally never say, and I never even try to say that when Frank is doing the pod. But the reason I say this, I've got some work commitments later on I need to get to, which means that I'm not going to have a lot of time to eat today. And that also means that I probably might use DoorDash. Now, I'm not going to go into the details of where I might eat in Australia because let's be honest, you people over there aren't going to know the restaurants I'm talking about. But the thing you can count on with DoorDash is that they're going to have all your favorite places. Over 300,000 partners they have in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada, and obviously Australia. You can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite 
national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. The best part about it right now, because I know a lot of people, you know, don't feel comfortable going in, sitting in a restaurant, don't feel too comfortable being in crowds of people. So the best thing about it is with DoorDash right now, their deliveries are contactless to keep the community communities we operate in safe. So that's the number one thing about those guys. And the best part is, of course, we have a deal for you right now. Our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNBA, it's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA, don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA, $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And while you're eating, you may as well log on to rockauto.com. Our friends, we know it's the family business that's been operating for 20 plus years. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications and prices you prefer. While everyone's at home right now, there's no better time than fix the car. Get the car fixed. Don't get ripped off elsewhere. Just use rockauto.com and you'll be able to get everything you need. Best of all, the prices are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available. Right, locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. That's locked on in the how did you hear about us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. The one thing I wanted to ask you, and I got a DM from Mark Schultz on Twitter. He messaged me about 12 hours ago now as we were recording this. And he said he wanted to hear some discussion about why none of the Milwaukee Bucks reporters were in the Disney bubble. Now, <laughs> let's, I think this is a very short conversation that we have to have here. It's certainly financial. I know um, listening to Ben Golliver at one point on a podcast, it was $60,000, I think It was tens of thousands. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the testing alone right. was, I think, roughly $30,000. Yeah, there you go. Plus the accommodation for two, two and a half months at Disney. So yeah, I think Oliver said it was, it was certainly 50000 plus anyway. So if you're wondering why I wasn't there, that's, 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 <laughs> I didn't have a spare $50,000 to get me into Disney. So that's one. And the other guys, I mean, the Athletic, we know they have some national reporters down there. Joe Varden's been there. Uh, Shams has been down there. So even if those two are just there alone, that's over $100,000 right there. So it's honestly just financial. So I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. I mean, this is an expensive mission and that's why the, the amount of people down there is so limited. Well, and, you know, um, before we, we get into that, just to go back to what you said too about um, what went on with the protests and, you know, I'm sure a majority of the players are, you're certainly disappointed that your season ends, but at least you're going back to your communities. I was not prepared to hear Bud as emotional as he was after the game yeah. uh, in game five, that that really caught me off guard. And I mean, you know, he was asked specifically about what he learned about his team and how special those guys were, but still hearing you know, Bud really fighting back tears and how emotional he was really caught me off guard. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, it, it does. And this is, I think I've said this to you before when we haven't been recording, Justin, but it's, this is what makes it, and this is just for me personally, and I know everyone else feels differently and they feel different emotions towards the team, towards the players. 
But that's what's kind of so hard about seeing this team fail again. And they did. They failed again. It's fine to say that. Second round exit is a disaster for this team. But they're so damn likable. And as a group, the relationships they have with each other, the genuine love and care that they have for each other, it's it's hard to see them fail for the second year in a row. And even Bud, I mean, the players love him. We can get into it for sure, and I'm sure we will in the in the coming weeks and, and on this podcast as well. But this group loves each other, and that's why you know what's coming this offseason, and you know that there's yeah. going to have to be change, and you know that you can't bring back the same group. And I just really, you know, I really wanted to see this group succeed. I wanted to see this group win a championship, and maybe that was never going to happen. But I, I think when you see that reaction from Bud, when you hear Giannis talk about his teammates yesterday, when you hear those guys talking about him on the sidelines, it just further emphasizes what we always know. This, this group is special. Unfortunately, maybe they're not built to win a championship and, and some changes need to be made. But um, just, just back to the Disney stuff. So there's probably not much to add to that in terms of the financial stuff. But as far as you, yesterday you pack up your stuff, I guess, at yeah. Fireserve. What, what was the whole experience like? What was this like? Because... I guess the TV crews weren't there anymore, or I, I don't know. Run, run us through the, the end of the 2020 season, which is uh, obviously a weird thing. Um, so it's, it's basically a skeleton, and it, it always was a skeleton crew, but it's even more so now for TV because they don't have um, TV broadcast, but they do do pregame and postgame shows okay. at this point in the playoffs. So, um, you know, they have their producers and their camera crew there. And uh, Jim was there doing some stuff and Zora would, you know, do TV beforehand and then join us on the radio broadcast. And then once the game ends, leave to do the same. Um, you know, it was, uh, boy, I don't know how much I should get into it, but it was, it was, it was an interesting feeling because, and I think, you know, the, this is my fifth year doing this fifth or sixth. I can't even remember now, but um, every year you kind of approach it as, Look, uh, I mean, you know well. You know full well uh, these jobs that everybody covets. I mean, it's this industry is incredibly tough to break through in, but it's even tougher to stay here. So, whenever a season ends, um, we all kind of approach it as we don't know. Maybe this is the last time that this group did this broadcast together. Not that it's anywhere near as, as important as the team and the personnel, <laughs> but there's there's uncertainty. Come on. Uh, there's uncertainty surrounding all of us so and you know I think if we're being honest um not that we've gotten any indication from the Bucks but you you have to approach it as such because you know you see some of the things that go on in the world and you see um some of the financial issues that that teams are running into with the the loss of arena revenue and who knows how much longer that's going to carry into next season and you know we've seen a couple of teams already make moves on their radio broadcasts and a couple of teams already say we're going to simulcast tv under radio so that's always something that kind of lingers in the back of your mind where you, know, you don't know so when the broadcast ended um myself ted and and ryan as soon as we had time our engineer ryan as soon as we had time and went to a break we all um kind of embraced and, and said you know it was a good year unfortunately didn't go the way that we would have hoped but you know if this is it then this is it. So I wish I had a better answer, but we have the same uncertainty where, you know, you, you can't take it for granted. And as we said, there are other factors in place. So who knows that every year you kind of approach it as who knows what, what 
franchises will decide to do. And if this becomes a new norm where we see TV and radio kind of simulcast into one. So it, it, for me, it was equally tough because or doubly tough, I should say, because um, the real annoyance for me is, so our engineer, Ryan, who's terrific um, with him doing the broadcast and with us being in a stationary spot that, so during the regular season, I would do an additional post-game show locally in addition to the network show and when the bucks were home for a while uh ryan could leave his equipment set up and i would just have to turn it off basically that he trusted me enough to do that that i could use all of that equipment for our local show that we would do on espn in milwaukee now when there was a concert or marquette or the bucks went on the road and then there was other stuff in town we would have to tear down after every game so the nicest part about this whole bubble experience was you knew from July 31st onward, nothing else is coming in here. That there's, there's no events or anything. So we can leave all this set up. So once you fell down three games to none, the realization sank in for me of, oh, no. I, we need to approach every one of these as if, you know what, I'm not going to be able to use that. So I had to get a, a special remote kit from the radio station and basically said, look – we can't ask Ryan to stay for an extra, what, two hours unpaid and just wait for me to finish our local show so I can use his equipment. So I had to lug in all this extra equipment each of the last two games, just not knowing if this was going to be the last Bucks broadcast of the season. And then, um, you know, once we saw the clock tick to zero, setting all of that up and uh, tearing it down and staying at the arena much longer than I anticipated to run through all of that. Um, you know, it's, it's a weird feeling every year when you walk out because, um, as I'm sure you feel the same way, uh, not to get too sappy here, but it's, it's such an honor to be able to do something like that. And it's a great privilege. And we hear from countless people all the time that they want to do the same thing, that they want to cover the team or they want to be affiliated with the team and they want to be doing some of these things. It's their dream job and we get to live it out. So, um, every time the season ends, it's a strange feeling where, you know, you don't want to take it for granted and you don't want to get to that jaded part where it just becomes your job. So each time you leave there, you just, you, know, you hope, okay, well, this was fun. Next year, hopefully it'll be better. And hopefully next year I'll be back. Yeah, no question. First of all, you're going to make me cry, Justin. So just, uh, I need you to stop right there. But secondly, let me just say that uh, <laughs> I, I do hope, and I, I know, um, I understand the financial strain that obviously everyone's under right now, but I, I really do hope that the the whole simulcast TV radio thing doesn't happen. I mean, you know this as well as anyone, Justin, and, and so I'm sure so do the listeners that listen to calls on the radio, listen to calls on TV. It's just very different, and you can't put a TV call on the radio. It just doesn't work. It's not the same. It doesn't sound good. It's not enjoyable, and, and I know this from listening to the, to the Bucks Radio Network for many years over here in Australia when I'm in the car, when I'm driving around. You just, it's just a different experience. You get a feel for the game, sometimes as much as if you're watching it on TV. So I hope that isn't the case. And clearly, I mean, as a friend of mine, I mean, I hope that you are, hope that you are well and truly involved in the team. For well, a yeah, time. And, yeah. And like I said, I mean, we've been given no indications that yeah. that is going to be the case. But, you know, you, you just have to. And look, if, if March taught us anything, it's that yeah. Yeah. we can't take any of this for granted, that you have to approach it as things are going to be different. So once you see some teams start to do that, you, you do have to at least brace yourself for, well, you know, if worse comes to worse, we could see more teams start to do that. So uh, I, we've been given no indication that that's going to be the case and that that's even on the table, but 
it, it just is something that has to be in the back of your mind once you see a couple of teams start to do it. All right, so I reckon this might be the last time that we really touch on this series at all. So I think we can really wrap up the Miami series before we move full scale into what's ahead for the Bucks. When you when you look at this series, and we touched on it a little bit at the start, whether it's the preparation uh, had a factor in this. What do you look back on, and from a, a you know a media fan, whatever perspective you want to you want to call it, what do you regret the most? Or what frustrates you the most about this series with Miami? And I, I keep it in mind, we're on time constraints here, Justin. We, we, we can't rattle off 45 minutes of uh, complaints about what went wrong. Well, I was going to say, can I just say all? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you and I were talking about this before we started recording, that this one is, is, this one is the stunner that I've, I've seen a couple of people, and I think you even commented on this, that I've seen a couple of people point out, man, you know, two years in a row that the Bucks are stunned out of the playoffs when this one was the stunner last year. If we're being honest with ourselves, the Raptors were a better team than you and Kawhi Leonard played like Michael Jordan. They were better coached. And if you just examined everything, Toronto was a better team and was in better position than you were. So you got that close and you realized we weren't good enough, but we lost to the champions and we know we're not better than this team. So if we bring back much of the same group, we feel like that's the difference maker and we can win. So this was the shock to the system where you realized, okay, there is a case to be made that two years in a row, we just ran into the worst possible opponent we could have faced. But, you know, in the larger picture, we do also have to ask if what we're doing isn't working. So, you know, my takeaway is, is just going to be, you didn't feel like you got that sense of urgency from this team until it was almost too late that quite frankly you needed to see it in game two when you you just dropped game one of a series for what the third time in your last four playoff series um you needed that sense of urgency then because you know, we approached game two as you can't lose this or game three excuse me you can't lose this one because no team comes back from down three games to none um but outside of what you did to Toronto last year, I mean, how many teams often come back from two games to none? So you don't want to dig yourself that hole either. We didn't see that, you know, sense of urgency. Uh, it, it just, you know, it, it felt like we weren't even watching even a close semblance of the same team that we saw throughout the regular season. And I get that the regular season and playoffs are different, but that was just so jarring to see the differences between the two versions of the team Obviously, everybody is going to put the coaching on trial and put the point guard play on trial. And those are two things that were inexcusable and undefensible in this series. But the problem for the Bucs, and I, I heard you and Frank talking about this on your end of season pod, what, yesterday, and I couldn't agree more, is, you know, this was a loss that is hopefully better for the franchise moving forward because <laughs> unlike what we said in that Raptors series where you thought, okay, we lost to the champs, but we were close – this is one that showed you you're not close, that everything you did, it's not working, and you need to make some big adjustments. Otherwise, you're going to continue to pound your head against the wall here. Yeah, I mean, that's the big thing for me. I mean, when I consider where I – and this year, obviously, I was watching from a different perspective. Last year, I was in Toronto when the Bucks season went down, but I walked away thinking, you know, a shot or two here, and you can win a title. And – I think that we all understand now how difficult it is to win a championship. So last year I was really hopeful that the group 
was able to win a title. Now I sit here and I've got very little to no hope that this group, that this specific group can win a title. And I know that 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 might sound a little bit aggressive, but I, I just think it's accurate now. We've seen this a couple of years in a row where they've basically lost in the same fashion. And the big thing for me when I think about Miami compared to Milwaukee is that once you get to the postseason, you've got to be able to have guys that can create shots. And unfortunately for Milwaukee, at the end of the day, they had literally one player that could create a shot. And, and that's the difference between these two teams. Because yesterday, as I've thought about this more over the last 24 hours, we've spoke about um, you know, defensively, Milwaukee at, at times had some struggles. And we understand. And we've spoke so much about the schemes and the confusion at times. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know what, what they wanted to try. Did they have a plan B? Was there even a plan B that they could go to? We can go and talk about that all day long. And that is coaching. And we can get to coaching. But for the second year in a row has been our coach. That's indisputable, again. But from a player personnel point of view, the problem for Milwaukee was they were just too easy to defend. So Frank sort of spoke about the limitations of Giannis a little bit more. I said, I kind of feel sorry for him. I still do feel sorry for him because he didn't have anyone around him that could create and take any of the attention off him. Now, I think one of the answers would have been to play through Chris Milton more when Giannis was in the game and not wait until Giannis wasn't there and you had to do it because you had nothing else to go to. I think that highlighted it more. I probably would have played through Chris Milton a little bit more um, earlier in the series and I think this is this comes back to the Chris Middleton story in, in general because I know I've asked Bud I feel like I've asked Bud this question 15 times over the last two years why don't you get the ball to Chris Middleton for more shots why doesn't he take more shots why isn't he more aggressive how do you keep him being aggressive and the answer every time back is well we want to share the ball around and you know this is the way we play offense and people take the shots in the flow of the offense and they, but it's like okay I understand that but you can do that in the regular season when the defense isn't of the same caliber, when you're playing the Charlotte Hornets or the Atlanta, um, I was about to say the Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta, yeah, the Atlanta when you, Hornets. When you're playing any of the eight teams that weren't invited to the bubble, basically. Right. It, that's exactly right. Yeah, you can play that offense and you're going to win no matter what and you'll probably put up 130 points. But at times you've got to look at Chris Middleton and say, yeah, and I understand at the end of the series, he was 41% from field. He had to put up a lot of tough shots, particularly in game five. He was forcing a lot. It's, it's what it was. We all watched it. We would have loved for him to go off for 50 points and, and win the other game, but he didn't. But at the end of the day, it was all Chris or, or no one again. And, you know, when you're relying on Wes Matthews for back cuts to get you baskets, it was just difficult. It was just difficult. And credit to Wes and credit to all these other guys that got involved. I think that there's a huge role for them still on this team. But mm. I think, you know, over the last few games, we saw that with Giannis on the floor, play through Chris a little bit more. But the Bucks are one of the only teams that have this completely uh, democratic offensive system where everyone gets equal opportunity i mean stuff that just play through your best players that's what everyone else does in the league so i think when i looked at miami that was the problem i mean you talk about shot creation that's where the bucks fell down because we focused so much on duncan robinson we spoke yesterday that he didn't have a great series but he didn't have to because tyler hero just stepped up and he's basically duncan robinson but a different version so they had two of that guy and hero came in and hit big shots i think dean maniart said that he was Four for four on extremely tight contested threes, and there was only one other player to make one of those shots. I think that was the stat that he said. Hero was unbelievable, and Crowder and Dragic and Butler and Adebayo. I mean, the, the options are just there, and they're all guys that can create a shot. Yeah, and you know, I there's there's a number of takeaways from this in that 
Look, if 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 you would have pointed to the the stats that Duncan Robinson had basically throughout the series, but especially in Game Five and you know Game One, he wasn't a huge factor throughout the series. And you said, here's what the Bucks did against Duncan Robinson, who was the guy that most of us were terrified of coming in. You would think the Bucks won the game if you pointed to shooting forty six percent in Game One. You would think the Bucks won the game. So credit to Miami for what they did for their coaching. And I've gotten to know Jonathan Zaslow a little bit the last few years, who's basically me in Miami for the heat and the way he described the team was they're just full of dogs that Jimmy Butler is a dog and Jay Crowder is and all these guys that these are the exact guys you need in the playoffs not to say you need a roster full of them but you know if we're being honest who's the one guy that the Bucks have that would fit that criteria and that's really one of the biggest things that's missing that you can you know retry the whole Malcolm Brogdon thing which we certainly don't have time for but what it boils down to is shot creation and just guys that you know you can rely on in the playoffs. Not so much stars, but guys that can hit shots. Look what Jay Crowder did throughout this series. That we, you know, I went back to this after the game. We keep saying it's a make or miss league. That extends to personnel decisions too. It especially extends to that. And think back to the trade deadline where we kept hearing about Miami all in on Danilo Gallinari. And boy, if only they can get Gallinari. You heard they're at the goal line. And they came up short and everybody at the time said, well, if Miami would have been able to get him, that would really put him over the top. And I think that they would really push the Bucks if they got Danilo Gallinari. Instead, they had to settle for Andre Iguodala and this throw in of Jay Crowder. Imagine if they got Gallinari and they didn't pull off this move of Iguodala and Crowder. I would feel much better about the Bucks' chances in that series going up against you know, Danilo's defense and not having to deal with Jay Crowder shooting, what, 40% on threes and only taking threes in the series. So, you know, you got to hit your shots on the court. And all of these decisions, I know Frank has talked about this a lot, but it's just so tough to win a championship because you got to hit it on all of your personnel decisions. And Miami did that. Yeah, I think it's the second year in a row again. And I keep, I keep putting this playoff loss in in a bundle with last year because i think this is the this is the package that we have to look at this offseason and say well we can't make the same mistakes again because you know obviously we don't know i mean if Giannis signs a long-term extension then great cool you, you feel like the pressure's off a little bit but you don't want the pressure to be off you want to keep the foot down in terms of winning the championship next season so you know we talk about the guys that are probably not going to be back and ultimately i think we're looking at a bucks roster that's going to look pretty different next year and and i know that they've tied themselves into a bunch of contracts it's going to be difficult to move and we're running out of time here so we can't get into it too much but we spoke about marvin williams uh, he's gone kyle corver I, I think we saw the limitations show up what we discussed all season long i, I would be surprised if kyle corver is back pat Connaughton clearly didn't have a good postseason you know, interrupted preparation, obviously coronavirus, came back, looked pretty good in the semifinals against Miami, averaged 1.8 points in 13 minutes. I mean, it, it was a disaster for Pat, unfortunately. He's probably going to be gone just by virtue of the fact that I think he's going to to get, you know, a better offer somewhere else. Um, and, and, of course, that's up in the air. We'll see. But I, I'm not, I would be surprised if he is back. Ersan Uisova didn't play. There's no chance they're going to bring his $7 million back. So, you know, we're, we're looking at, <laughs> yeah, regardless of the starting lineup, and we know that maybe there'll be some moves there as well. But as far as the bench goes, we're looking at a team that's going to look very, very different next year. And, you know, I, I think that's the right move. I mean, you can't bring back the same group yet again. Yeah, I mean, what's the definition of insanity, right? That uh, mm-hmm. you, you can't keep trying the same thing over and over. And, you know, you can't fault them 
for, and I know some people have nitpicked what they did last summer, but you can't fault them for saying everything we did at the top of this, that you felt like you were on the cusp and you just lost to the better team, but you saw Kawhi Leonard leave. So you thought, okay, we're better than that team now. As long as we bring this group back together, we should get past them. So you can't fault that thinking. Now you've seen two years in a row, it hasn't worked out. So now we're going to have to see them go to plan B. And now, you know, look, we've, we've talked about some financial constraints that this team and this league is going to be under, but especially how this team is capped right now, they have their work cut out for them in the offseason. But I think we've seen enough to know, however minor or major it is, you need to do some tinkering with the personnel on this team. It's going to be fascinating. I'm looking forward to seeing which direction this goes. Obviously, I've got plenty of ideas, Justin. I've got lots of ideas in my head. So I do get a lot of people messaging saying, talk about this trade idea, talk about this, talk about this. We're going to do it. Don't worry about that. We are 100% going to get to it. I oh, just let, me guess, to- let me guess who's the one name people bring up. Yeah, exactly. We know exactly who that is and uh, CP3. Uh, trust me, we're going to have some talk about that uh, in, in just a little bit. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Justin, thanks for a great season, my friend. You're not going anywhere. I'm going to be hassling you as much as ever to come on the show. There's no doubt about that. But uh, I appreciate it, man. I always appreciate it. You take my text, you come on the show. Uh, it's, it makes my life very, very easy. I've got to tell you that, particularly during a four-month unexpected absence from basketball. Anytime. And uh, hopefully I don't annoy the people whenever they hear me on here and think, where's Frank? Well, people think that when it's just me as well. So, I mean, we can't help that. Frank is the, he is the, he's the legend of the pod. You know, people are disappointed when Frank's not here, but I always appreciate you coming on, Frank, everyone. That gives me some time and chops me out a little bit so I don't have to ramble on for myself. We will be back tomorrow, though. As I said, there's plenty to talk about, plenty of news still coming out, and we'll hear from the Bucks at some point. We don't know when that's going to be, uh, but we will get to it as soon as we do. That's Justin Garcia. I'm Kane Pittman. Hopefully, everyone's doing okay. Uh, 24 hours post Bucks season ending. If you're not, just come through the therapy with us. We're going to be talking through it the next few weeks. And as always, I always come up with a positive take on where this team is going. So I look forward to doing that. Stay safe. We'll speak to you guys tomorrow.